Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Pastor Ben Pitney has a message titled, The Lord Watches Carefully. Join us in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. So happy Father's Day. Uh, Guys, we're so uh, glad that you're in church today. Um, We know that sometimes it's not dad's favorite thing to do, be in church, but I'm excited that you're here. I think it's good today. I want to uh, take just a few minutes this morning, and um, I'd like you to turn in your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. While you're doing that, I will just tell you, I've been gone a little bit on some vacation, and man, it was really good. It was really great to be gone. Before I left, my administrative assistant, Sunny, she said, hey, I'm going to do this little thing on social media because she's uh, in charge of that. And she said, give me your favorite Bible verses. Which ones are your favorites? And so I kind of winged them out there really quickly. And, um, and then I was like, after I sent them, I was like, oh, man, I did that kind of quick. There's so many. I was questioning the ones that I sent to her because I have multiple ones that I would say are my favorite. And so, and then I was like, ah, I'm thinking about this too much. And then later, I just was like, oh, man, there was, you know, I kind of was dwelling on a little bit, like, I should have given her this one. No, this one's my most favorite. And for fear people were going to scrutinize what my Bible, my favorite ones were, I started overthinking it a little bit. But after a while, uh, it did kind of bug me, um, and uh, I did find that I left one out that actually I think is my most favorite Bible verse. And the reason why I know is because I, I, I went back through some retired Bibles that are in, on my shelf, um, you, you know, Bibles I've used a lot, and they're marked up a lot, and the binding's broken, and pages are falling out and torn and stuff like that, and so I usually retire them, and I get something else. And uh, because they're just kind of falling apart. So I just kind of flipped back through to see, you know, where, where, where maybe some of those were. And I did land in Second Chronicles um, where I felt like consistently over my life, um, there's a Bible verse there that is, has been really important to me. And it seems to be, um, has kind of risen to the surface amongst a few um, as the number one Pastor Ben Bible verse or favorite Bible verse. So um, we're going to then look at that today. I just thought it would be kind of nice to look at that on Father's Day. And while we're in this series on uh, Father's Day, today we're going to talk, I want to talk to you in particular dads, guys, because I think there are some things that I, we need to be encouraged with. A lot of times dad gets... Um, I don't know, it gets kind of beat up quite a bit. We seem to not get everything right. Um, a lot of times we do lots of things wrong. We make a lot of mistakes, and it is true. Um, we are not the smartest one in the family. But I want you to be encouraged today, and, and I think that's what's going to happen as a result of looking at this Bible verse today. But before I do, um, and, and really, we're going to look at a character in uh, the Old Testament and really I, I think what I want you to know is just this, this, this story and this scene or this picture circumstance that we're going to look at, it seems like it's about one, uh, a person in particular, and it's really not. It's actually um, 
there, I think, to feature who God is and who he's all about. So um, before we do, I, I want you just to, I'm going to put up one Bible verse here. It is an important Bible verse and one of my favorites. But Romans chapter 15, verse 4, just to sort of set the tone a little bit, it says, for everything that was written in former times was written for our instruction. So all these stories in the Old Testament, they're, they're there for our instruction so that through endurance and through encouragement this, of the scriptures, we may have hope. We might have assurance. We would have confidence. We would be able to build trust. We would have trust. That's what Paul is saying, that the Old Testament is there and these stories are there and they're, 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 they're revealed there to produce endurance and encouragement, right? The scriptures are there so that you can have this trust and this reliance on God. That's why they're there, to testify and feature actually who God is. So um, that's kind of what we're going to talk about. It's really my first point, um, confidence in God and relying on him alone. The, the Old Testament features God in a way or showcases God in a way to where that's what we get. So even though we're going to look at this story of a king um, in the scripture and his foolishness and some mistakes that he makes, that's really not what the story's uh, about. It's actually about relying on God and that God is eager to unleash his power in our lives if we would rely or trust on him or trust in him. So 2 Chronicles chapter 16 is what we're going to, the scene that we're going to start. And then I'm going to kind of um, explain it a little bit because we're just jumping right into the middle of 2 Chronicles and there's a lot of context, but let's just start and you'll get the idea in verse 1 of chapter 16, 2 Chronicles, it says, There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. So Asa's the king, and he's reigning, right? And there's no more war. There's unity. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, King Baasha of Israel attacked Judah and established Ramah as a military outpost to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the land of King Asa of Judah. Asa took all the silver and gold um, that was left in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of the royal palace and sent it to King Ben-Hadad of Syria, ruler in Damascus, along with a message. I want you to make a, tre- I, I want to make a treaty with you like the one of our fathers made. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Break your treaty with King Baasha of Israel, so he will retreat from my land. Ben-Hadad accepted King Asa's offer and ordered his army commanders to attack the cities of Israel. They conquered Eon, Dan, Abel, and Maim, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. When Baasha heard the news, he stopped fortifying Ramah and abandoned the project. King Asa ordered all the men of Judah to carry away all the stones and wood that Baasha had used to build Ramah. He used the materials to build up Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani, the prophet, visited King Asa of Judah and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. 
Did not the Cushites and the Libyans have a huge army with chariots and a very large number of horsemen? But when you relied on the Lord, he handed them over to you. Certainly the Lord watches the whole earth carefully and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to him. You have acted foolishly in this matter. From now on, you'll have war. And then verse 10 just sort of explains how frustrated Asa was and how he reacted. So there's actually um, quite a bit of um, going on right here. But let me tell you again and remind you, the purpose of God giving us the Old Testament with all of its stories and all of its teaching is to help us have confidence, help us have faith, help us have trust, help us have assurance in him. That's the purpose uh, in today in, in looking at the story of King Asa. I don't know about you, dad, but when it comes to me, I, um, I seem to be the one that am, I'm relied on to solve the problems, to fix things. I'm the only one in the house who can get gum off of shoes for some reason. I'm the only one who can actually clean up blood without fainting and amongst other things. I mean, actually, Linda does pretty good with the barf and the puke, but I seem to only be the one who can deal with blood, all right? There's all kinds of other things like that. Somehow, I can find it when nobody else can. Um, I, I, I seem to have this thing, and um, oh, I'm relied on quite a bit, and so I... I, I tend to um, I tend to kind of rely on my own strength. I, can, I tend to kind of solve things based on my experience. I got this. I go, to, I go to work on it because my job is to straighten it out and fix it. And so people sort of depend on me to do that. And I take it upon myself to do these things all, along, all, all the time. But when I'm looking at this story, I, I, I'm finding that, you know, Asa, you know, he's, he's spent a lot of time as king already, and, he's, and, and things have been really good. Things have been going really, really well. And um, he's ruled with a lot of unity. So, but, but this story um, features his foolishness. Because he trusts himself, he trusts in man, he trusts in his resources instead of God. And, and um, so what I'm after today is to help you or encourage you not to rely on yourself or what you know, man can do for you or what you can do for um, yourself, but on God and what he can do for us. And, but here's really the red dot in the middle of the target. I think what we're going to see from this story is that God is actually really very eager to help us and, and to unleash his power to help us and to encourage us and um, to go before us. And this is what Asa failed to do when Baasha came against him, right? He did not rely on God. That's what God wants us to do more and more in, our, in areas of our lives. And I think if we're going to be successful at leading our families, this is the way we have to lead, but it's not our natural tendency. Our natural tendency is to kind of look at um, our resources, assess the situation, and make a plan, right? Rarely do we say, oh, wow, the first thing I need to do is consult the Lord. It's really not my nature to do that. 
I go, I, I start looking back on my experience. I assess my resources and I make a plan most of the time before considering the Lord. If it goes bad, then I kind of wake up and go, oh, wow, uh, I've exhausted my resources. Maybe I should talk to God. It's just sort of the way we go about it. But this story features that as foolishness, and we're going to see a little bit more why, because that's the purpose here, I believe, that God has for us. He wants us to be assured. He wants us to be full of peace, freedom, courage, and power. Those are the things. That's how I want to lead. I want to be full of courage, power, and freedom to be who I'm supposed to be. And God is eager and looking for opportunity in order um, to sort of unleash that, right? So let's look at the circumstances just really quickly because um, I think they're really important. There's two reasons mentioned in this little story why it was foolish for Asa not to rely on God. But, but, but let's just make a clear um, what's happening here. There is a progression from King David to Asa. There's a lot of time in there, a thousand years before Jesus is even born David was the king of Israel, and the kingdom was united and doing really well under King David, all right? After King David, Solomon, his son, he reigned over the united kingdom. Solomon uh, uh, had peace during his time. But when Solomon dies, there's a conflict and division in the kingdom, and the southern kingdom, made up of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, they separated from the northern kingdom, made up of the other ten tribes. So the southern kingdom is usually called Judah, and uh, the northern kingdom is usually called Israel. Okay? So the first king of Judah is Rehoboam. When he dies, his son Abijah, he rules for only three years, and then he dies. After Abijah, his son Asa becomes king in Judah. So Asa, what's unique about him is Asa rules for 41 years before he dies. It's actually a really long time to rule. He's right in there with Queen Elizabeth. But 35 of those years, when you look at his reign over 41 years, 35 of those years were almost completely peaceful. That's a long time, actually. Completely peaceful. God was with him. God blessed him and protected him. And the kingdom thrived in all kinds of ways. Isn't that what you want for your family and your relationships? You want protection. You want it to be united and you want it to thrive in every way. This is what's going on in Asa's life, and it's pretty awesome for 35 years. But something happens in, the li- in Asa's life over those years, and, and when r- trouble comes, he seems to not trust God. Now, he doesn't have a ton of pattern of that. We want to look at the, really my next point, because this guy, um, uh, Baasha, he builds a blockade, and Asa has um, a response to that, okay? That's really um, point number four. Chapter 16 describes what happens in the 36th year of Asa's peaceful reign. Look at verse 1 in um, chapter 16. I said chapter 6, I meant chapter 16, right? Verse 1. It says, in the 36th year of Asa's reign, 
King Baasha of Israel attacks Judah, and he established Ramah as a military outpost to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the land of King Asa of Judah. So Baasha builds a fortified city named Ramah. It's kind of a blockade, all right? kind of a blockade against Judah so that he could control access to Asa's land. That's what he wants to do. If you want more power, if you want to cause upheaval like that, that's what you do. And here's what Asa should have, where Asa, where he should have stopped and consulted the Lord. All right. But instead of turning to the Lord, he turns immediately to human resources. That's what he does, right? Verse 2 describes what he did. Look at verse 2. It says, Asa took the silver. He took it all, by the way. All the silver and the gold that was left in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and all the royal palace and sent it to King Ben-Hadad of Syria, ruler in Damascus. In other other words, Asa pays the king of Syria with temple money to attack Israel from the north and get Baasha off his back. Ben-Hadad does exactly that, all right? So verse 4 describes Ben-Hadad's campaign against the cities of Israel, and it works. Look at verse 5, though. When Baasha heard the news, he stopped fortifying Ramah and abandoned the project. So Asa tears down uh, Ramah, or Ramah, excuse me, and everything's good, it seems like. He solves the issue. He pulls together his resources, he makes a plan, and he just does it. So Judah is secure, there's peace, and Baasha is humiliated, a bonus, all right? He's humiliated. But there are some blessings that he misses and a bunch of hardship that he buys with what he did. So many times we rely on ourselves and our own resources. We really do. I, it is our nature, and Dad, it is our nature maybe more than anybody else in our family. It's our nature. Things seem to go well for a time, and it feels pretty good if it just goes well for a time sometimes, right? It feels really great if there's just a time of some unity. But things are not well when we stop trusting God. It's just a farce. It's just a lie. And we start trusting in what we can do and what man can do. We miss unbelievable things. And we bring unnecessary hardship on ourselves. Look at the blessing Asa missed in verse 7. Just the second half of the verse. It says, because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Now, most of the time we don't look at armies as something's like, well, what's the big deal? It's an army, all right? But God um, would have not only protected Asa from um, Baasha and Israel, he would have given the entire Syrian army into the hands of Asa. But Asa throws it away by trusting in money and his available resources instead of God. We're talking about a million uh, guys, all right? This is a huge army. We're talking about 300,000 horses and things like that, like a giant resource of actual wealth, and he just gives it all away. Look at the hardship that will now come into his peaceful life. Look at the second half of verse 9. You have acted foolishly in this matter. From now on, you will have 
war. War is bad, right? So we know from other scriptures, we know this truth, like Romans 8, 28, that if we repent of unbelief and this kind of wrong that uh, is, is against God and what he wants, he will even take the hardship, all right? He'll take the issues, he'll take the consequences of making bad choices, and he'll turn them into good things for us, okay? So even if we make mistakes, if we turn and we say, you know what, Lord, I've really biffed it on that, I did not trust you, and we repent, all right? We agree with God about our sin. That's what repentance really means. And we turn and we say, I messed that up. I shouldn't do that. God turns that into good stuff. He will be fatherly in our lives. He'll, there'll be some discipline, but not judicial condemnation. He can take even those hurtful things and those bad choices and turn them into good things for us, right? But it seems that Asa, he never does that. He carries his foolishness with him until he dies, and Asa never repents. Just slip down to verse 12. Look what happens. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa Asa develops a foot disease. That sounds pretty bad. Though his disease was severe, he did not seek the Lord, but only the doctors. In other words, something tragic happens in his life. In 35 years of God's blessing on his reign, he had gradually, it seems, begins to think that humanity was capable of morality and self-fulfillment without relying on God. That's called humanism uh, today. Humanism is is thinking that humanity is capable of morality and self-fulfillment. We don't need to rely on God. You see... So when there's a military threat, he didn't think of God. He thought of money and the treasury and political alliances and armed forces. When there was a threat to his health, he didn't think of God. He consulted doctors. So there's no doubt that that Asa still probably uh, went to worship God. And in other words, um, he still went to church kind of thing. But God was gone out of his life as a moment-by-moment loved and trusted reality. Trusting God, relying on God, being sure in God were not a part of his life anymore. Now, there's two reasons why this is such foolishness in Asa's life. There's two reasons. I said there are two reasons mentioned in the text. Here's the, the, the first one. God fought for Asa when Asa trusted him. This is amazing. If you go back and you read ahead of this story, clear back to chapter 14, you'll find this out. Um, God had proved to Asa in the past that when he trusted him, great things would happen for his good. Really great things, awesome things, amazing things would happen for him if he would just trust him. Look at verse 8. Did not the Cushites and the Libyans have a huge army with chariots and very large number of horsemen? But when you relied on the Lord, he handed them over to you, right? Look at chapter 14, verse 9. Just flip back a couple of pages to chapter 14, verse 9, and look what it says. 2 Chronicles 14, verse 9. Zerah, the Cushite, marched against them with an army of one million men and 300 chariots, and then all the horses and everything else that go with it, right? 
Look at verse 10. It says, verse 10 says, Asa went out to meet him in battle. But in verse 11, there's a crucial difference. Look at verse 11. This is in chapter 14. Asa prayed to the Lord his God. Oh, Lord, there is no one but you who can help the weak when they are vastly outnumbered. Help us, oh, Lord, our God. For we rely on you and have marched on your behalf against this huge army. O Lord, our God, don't let men prevail against you. Now, does that sound like a guy who actually gets it? This is your army. I'm your king. We're your people. And somebody's about to try to overwhelm us. God, you need to take care of this. This is an act against you. Oh, my goodness. I, I feel like he just gets it. Notice, Asa, he's got an army, but he was on his face before God saying that armies are not going to decide things. You are going to decide things, God. We're not trusting in our army. We're trusting in you. That was like 35 years of his life. We're trusting in you. He prayed. He humbled himself. And he hoped and trusted in God. And verse 12 describes what happens. Look at verse 12. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled. They ran. They bolted. Second Chronicles 15. Now fast forward just a little bit. One chapter. Chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. God's spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. Verse 2, he met Asa and told him, listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you when you are loyal to him. If you seek him, you will he will respond to you, but if you reject him, he will reject you. You see, God chose a nation to showcase the essence of who he is. That's what he did. That's what he's done with all of you who are followers of Jesus, dad, in particular, God has chosen you to showcase the essence of who he is. That's your role, that's your job as a leader. If you'll just rely on him and trust him. So the first reason Asa's trust in money and military might and political alliances and human physicians was foolish because God had made it so clear in Asa's reign that he would do really great things for him if he would just simply trust him and rely on him. And Asa's failure to rely on God was foolish because he had been so amazingly good to him and helped him in the past for simply crying out to God, praying to God and saying, God, you know what? This is, this is on you. I'm here to serve on your behalf just unleash the power. I'm ready. You know why? Because God is eager to help those who trust him. That's the second thing here. Why this is so foolish. God is eager to do this. It is his nature. That's the second reason Asa's reliance on man is so ridiculous and foolish. It's the very nature of God. He's eager to show his power on behalf of people who trust him. He, he not only did it once in the past in Asa, right, with his, when, when he needed the, to defeat the Ethiopians, but it's the way he is. This is what it means to be an absolutely no, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-sufficient God who, over, who wants to overflow 
with his power and might and majesty and unleash it with people who trust him. That's why he chooses you. That's our purpose. Just because he's God does not mean that he does not love to show off his power on behalf of those who trust him. It's amazing how God wants to do that. I get this from 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, my favorite Bible verse in the Bible. Look at it. Here it is. I think you should memorize it. Certainly, such a great word, certainly, the Lord watches over the whole earth carefully and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to him. See, God wants you to know something very profound about himself from this verse this morning. And he wants it to change your life so you don't commit Asa's foolishness. So that you have more peace and more freedom and courage and power for Jesus' sake. I mean, it's really what I want in my life in the middle of my family. What does God want you to see about himself today? Dad, here's what it, here's what it is. This is the way you should read verse 9. Certainly the Lord watches the whole earth carefully and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to him. In other words, the eyes of the Lord are searching the earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Or the Lord's eyes are scanning everything around the world to strengthen those who are committed to him with all their heart. When the prophet says those words, what he means is that God has an, in, an inherent attribute in his character. He is really out to do this, to unleash his power. That's what he's out to do. That's what he's aiming to do. That's what he wants to do. That is his nature. This means his power will overflow in the lives of people who trust him. His power will overflow in the lives of dads, fathers who trust him. He, it will. This is his nature. This is who he is. This is right at the heart of what it means to actually be God. It's not something God does just on the weekend. <laughs> it's not something he does just in church or just in holy places. It's not his hobby or after hours recreation, this is what God is doing all the time, everywhere, all the time. God's eyes are everywhere, always, so that he never misses one single opportunity, anytime, anywhere, to demonstrate his power on the behalf of humble people who rely on him and not themselves or not man. That is who God is. If I could just... Live like that and remember that. Guys, that's the encouragement today. Because this is why Asa is so foolish. How many times do we live differently? You see, my son Mitchell, he is in the Navy right now. He's actually inserted with some Marines. He's somewhere in Japan right now. And um, we just got to see Mitch and his... Um, wife and they're they're having a baby so we're gonna we're gonna have more grandchildren in our lives 
So he's deployed right now, but I just spent a little bit of time with him. And it's amazing when fathers and sons get together. I don't know. This always happens with Mitch and I. I don't know why exactly, except for it happened with my father as well. Mitchell could be described as a young man. He's, he's hard as a rock. He's ripped. Uh, the only thing I can say is he, it, I feel like he's paid to work out, okay, because he is ripped. His, actually, his little, little wife is ripped as well, and um, you know this if he ever takes his shirt off. If he takes his shirt off, don't take yours off next to him. That's all I got to say, because then you're like, dang. All right, so he is really strong. He just is a big guy. He's lean. There's no body fat, all right? So, but it never fails to where uh, there's a wrestling match that takes place somehow. And I'm getting older, right? But here's the thing. Mitchell, I don't know what it is. He is way stronger than I will ever be or ever was. But somehow, I still have the old man strength. That's, what, that's how it's described. And all I can say is that in Mitchell, in his foolishness, he knows he's stronger. But somehow he loses almost every time in the wrestling match. Because he never seems to figure out, I don't play by the rules. <laughs> somehow he thinks I'm going to play by the rules. And I never do. And it takes him by surprise every single time. Somehow I can just grab something and then there's, it's all over. I grab fingers, I bend them backwards. And he's like, that's cheating, that's wrong. What are you doing? That's not fair. And I'm like, I don't care. Somehow you're still crying. Oh, well. <laughs> and I always win. He would even say that. He was, I don't know how this happened. I never expected you to cheat, right? He's just not gotten wise, right? You know, the only reason I'm telling you that is, listen, some, we, you need to wise up and stop thinking about dad. All your experience and all your old man strength and all your resources and all, th- all those things like that. I, I know, I get it. I can do things. I know things. I'm pretty smart. But would you pay attention to this God that we worship. This is God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave us Jesus. He gave us his son Jesus for us. Wait, he just did that because he doesn't want to unleash his power in your life? Come on. This is the God who hears all your prayers. This is the God who created the universe and holds it all together in his hand. This is a God who stands in this room right now teaching through my feeble teaching and calling you to trust him for every need that you will ever have. This is not something God just does on the weekends. He wants to unleash his power in your life. And I can prove it by going back to all these stories in the New Testament. And that's why he chose this nation. That's why he's chosen the church. And that's why he's chosen you, dad, so that he can feature who he is to the world that we live in. That's what he wants to do because this is about him. It's not about us. If we could just live like that, our families would be in unity 
wonderful and amazing things would happen all throughout our lives. If we could learn these lessons, somehow Asa missed this. He missed it, didn't he? And he dies of foot disease at the end. That's how it all ends. That's how he's remembered. Here's a guy who didn't trust God right down to the very end. He died that way. I don't want to be like that to you. I want to be, I want, I, I want this power to be unleashed in my life because God is eager to do that. Certainly, the Lord watches the whole earth carefully and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to him. Dad, be devoted to him. You make all kinds of mistakes, but I'm telling you, the power of the Lord will unify your family and everybody around you. Thank you, God, for just a few minutes today. We're awfully grateful for our fathers. In particular, Lord God, we are truly grateful of you, Father. Help us to learn these lessons well. We know that you mean what you say, and this is an inherent attribute of who you are, and that you're really going to do these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.